Welcome travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika. And this is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your not-so-humble guides on the quest for RPG adventures. Here at Tabletop Journeys, we are all devoted role players and storytellers at heart, and we absolutely love sharing our passion with you. On our show, we feature diverse tabletop RPG systems, demonstrating them through actual plays and breaking down the rules to provide you with tips, tools, and techniques to help you navigate them. We also love bringing the content creators behind these games into the studio to give you a peek behind the curtain with relevant and insightful interviews. Let us help you get the most out of your story, no matter what game world or system you're playing. Because detailed settings, heroic characters, diverse NPCs, and a focus on story over rules can make any campaign legendary. Here's a message from friends of the show. What up, Nerd Nation? Steve here from the Dads with Nerdy Ambitions podcast, or DNA for short, your go-to podcast for all things nerd culture. You want to know fun facts about the latest movies? Done. Interested in a new hobby? We've got you. Have questions and want to hear from the experts? Say no more. Join me and my crew every week to hear about our latest takes on everything nerdy and go on a few tangents on the Dads with Nerdy Ambitions podcast, where we know it's not just a hobby, it's hereditary. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode. We have a really special guest here on the show today. Probably one of the first people that Lee Wanika and I worked with when we first started putting together this podcast is on today. So I'm really excited for this interview. Before we get into all of that, Mr. Myers, Mr. Miller, good evening. Let's start tonight with our favorite game. Where is Glenn tonight? No change since last we spoke. I am still in Connecticut. We'll be here probably through the end of August before we start headed across Canada. It's still an adventure, always, because there's a gazillion things to finish doing to close down our storage unit and get the last of our stuff taken care of so that we're fully integrated into the RV lifestyle. And, uh, I was going to say, if you're going to be there for another two months, that makes that game way less exciting. I will toss that out there. That, that really, like, that's... Uh, this game's not always going to be exciting. Sometimes I'm going to move <laughs> a lot. Like, when I'm going across Canada, we do some recording then, but we'll be plenty yeah, yeah. of new things to say. But sometimes, like, when I'm wintering in Arizona or something, it's going to be like, bro, still just outside Phoenix. Yep, yeah. No, I hear you. I, hear you. I can still create some conversation. That's okay. That's yeah. okay. <laughs> but, yeah, but being in Connecticut for two more months is, yeah. The audience, they want substance. They want meat on the I mean, the I can bone. make some shit up. I can be like, I'm on the moon this week. <laughs> I don't know if that's very helpful. So, how about you, Lee Winica? How are you doing this evening? Things are going pretty well. I'm excited. I've got, I'm going to be running Star Trek Adventures this weekend. So I've been working on a few odds and ends, did some resource searching on the continuing mission site, got some really good resources. So I'm getting set to do some gated challenges, possibly some extended tasks, depending on how the game 
plays. Just really jazzed about that. And just in general, have had not a lot I can say on air at this moment, but I've had some really good news on the creative endeavors front, personally and professionally, which is exciting, really exciting news for me. And I can't wait to be able to share that fully with the audience, which Maybe a month or two off before I can get into all the details, but let's just say things are moving forward in a really positive way for me as a as a content creator, and I'm very excited about it. Yeah, also very excited for for that opportunities for those opportunities. Absolutely. I think that's going to be that's going to be really groovy and tie in with a lot of other things that we've got going on. So very happy to go ahead and that you're moving forward on that endeavor. Yeah. There'll be a ton more about that later, but first tonight, we're going to go ahead and introduce you all to... What's that? Teasers. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Right. Tonight, we're going to go ahead and introduce you to, again, somebody that has been voice on the podcast that you know, even though you may not know that you know him. Tonight's interview, we're bringing on... Yeah. Nothing. I was just entertained by the way that you fro- you phrased that. I know. That. Yeah, yeah. I kind of. I, I went a little circ- circuitous, which actually is right. a word. Uh, yeah, you're uh, circling a, a subject like a shark, yeah. just taking yeah. tiny little bites out of it, and eventually <laughs> so, land there. <laughs> anyway, all that to go ahead and say, the writer of the the opening and closing theme music for our show since very early on, Mr. Sean McRoberts. Sean, welcome to Tabletop Journeys. Nice to see you again. It's been quite yep. a while since we've had the chance to talk to you. Yeah, thank you so much for asking me to be here and uh, taking the time to talk with me. Yeah, absolutely. That's we had such a great experience working with you at the again at the very beginning when Lee Winika and I knew that we wanted original music. This was before Glenn even joined the show, and we knew we wanted yep. original music. You were so great to work with. I'm actually yeah. appalled that it's taken us this long to go ahead and come back around and get you on here. But really glad you had the opportunity that you get the opportunity to join us tonight. Yeah, and for our vast audience of fellow podcasters in our in our podcast community and podcast family, I would say if you are interested in having add-ons, get hold of Sean, especially if you're commissioning original music for your shows. A pleasure to work with. As a person who loves music, is musical, but not musically literate, Sean was amazing to work with. Like, just made me feel like my ideas were valid and they show, definitely showed up in every piece of the music that you wrote. And I can't be more proud of the collaboration and the work you did with for us. It was amazing. Thank you so much. I was a yeah, really absolutely. fun piece to, to work on, a couple pieces to work on with you guys. So before we kind of get into the the interview proper here, where we start peppering you with questions, for our listeners who may not be familiar with your work, describe what you're doing in the tabletop role-playing game space and where they may have heard you or may they, where they may have seen you. Sure. So I, uh, to describe myself as tabletop role-playing game Swiss Army Knife, not only do I do music, but I also do some writing and mechanics and stuff for a couple of different other projects, as well as lots of like VT conversions for clients. But primarily, like my focus is on composing fantasy music meant to be played as like a soundtrack for your tabletop games. You can find me on Patreon, Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere you stream. I also do commissions. <laughs> That's about it. Cool. We'll make sure, obviously, to go ahead and include the links to all the relevant socials and give you a chance to go ahead and talk a little bit more about that at the end of the show here. Gentlemen, I think that it is initiative time, so let us D20s to the ready so we can get this show on the road. Dum-dum. That's going to be a 16 for me. Sorry. Yeah, 16. Yep. One. 12. Ooh. 12 for Glenn. I have a 19. 19. 
Yep. Mr. Miller, the initiative then is yours, sir. For the first time in months, I get to roll out the first question. I don't remember the last time I've done that, if ever. It feels like I've never have. I'm sure that's not true. <laughs> it's definitely not, not true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody in the audience, you get a happy hello and a shout out on the show if you can find the exact episode where I actually got to ask a question first. <laughs> Let's see. So, Sean, again, thanks, thanks for being here. Really, my first question is really about your writing process for all the music you have on your Patreon, which is amazing. If you're looking for a great soundscape, be a, become a patron, folks, and like just have this incredible library to choose from and and use. When you're writing, do you tend to write your music based on a specific type of scene? Do you say, I'm going to write combat music right now? I'm going to write X kind of music? Or is it more you wrote a song and then say, where would this fit? What comes first in that chicken and egg musical creation process? Sure. So an interesting thing with Patreon and like committing to a weekly release schedule for patrons, the process has to be maybe quicker than I would like it to be sometimes. So I would say it varies really from week to week. I could be thinking about like a book that I read or a movie that I watched or a show that had a really interesting musical cues in it and try to like recreate that and put a spin on it and just develop it from there. Typically, the writing process starts with a piano, and I'll try to block out like some chords and maybe a melody that I like, and then just try to kind of puzzle piece together other instruments until it's a song. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Just a quick follow-up. Yeah. So you do all of the instrumentation? You play all the instruments, or do you sometimes get other artists to pitch in and help with that recording process? I'm technically playing everything, but it's all on the keyboard, lots of digital instruments, maybe like a live guitar or like a weird like background vocal, but most of it is just all in the box on the computer, digital. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. Right. So for my question here, I want to step back a little bit here and go back to the very genesis. How did you start writing how did you start writing as a composer myself? I'm curious how you got into writing music and then specifically, how did you take that and turn it into something that you're doing for the tabletop role-playing game space? So I would say that that musical journey of writing music started probably in like middle school when I first started playing guitar and was inspired by like a lot of like classic rock bands or like classic metal bands. Metallica was like a big one for me. Just a really like broad spectrum of like guitar work. So that's like the my roots musically and going from that to like playing in local bands and like writing music with friends. And then like we got old and that got hard to do in schedule. <laughs> Preach. <Yeah>. Preach. <laughs> I've always been, We all been, felt that um, one a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I've always been a really big fan, specifically of the composer for the Final Fantasy series, Nobuo Uematsu. And I just started messing around like with some different sound libraries on my computer and thought it sounded cool. And that kind of led to what I'm doing now. Nice. Was it like a particular collaboration that brought you into the to the space or was it something that you just like you're playing in your own game and you just started writing music for it or how did that happen? Truthfully, what it was the the need for a creative outlet during lockdown. Hmm. A lot uh, of interesting stuff got started. Yeah. <laughs> 
like this podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one of my good friends like is like a cartographer in this space and was like doing the Patreon thing. So I looked at that and thought I could do something like that with music. There's bound to be like a, a niche to fill there. And that kind of started this specific journey. I find it, I love listening to the stories of all of the things that started during lockdown because so many people were searching for something and some things stuck, some things didn't. Some folks, they'd had something to do for a little while and it didn't last. But the reason I find it as entertaining as I do is because historically, right before the Renaissance was like the Black Plague. And during effectively the medieval lockdown is where a lot of ideas started. A lot of new things were started. That's what spawned the Renaissance is everybody finally getting to go back out into the world and say, holy crap, we're free. We're not going to (laughs) die. And I think it's really cool because it's kind of like our own. It's not exactly the same, but I'm drawing a parallel here. There is a huge creative increase across the web and the country in the TRPG space. And it's kind of like we're in our own little post-COVID renaissance. I love it. A post-COVID TTRPG renaissance, I think, would be absolutely fair to say, without any equivocation. <laughs> Glenn, it is your question. Woo-hoo! So, Sean, you are both a role player and a player at, at tables and a runner of games and a creator of music for games. So what advice would you give to a storyteller like myself who'd love to get into adding music to their game, even if it's not on the finished podcast level, even if it's like playing ambience music and soundtracks for their players. So what kind of advice would you give them on how to get into it, even though they don't necessarily know a whole lot about music or sound production? I guess I have a question to your question. Are you specifically asking for creating like your own music or like seeking out music to use? However you want to break it down. Give me both. I like both. Sure. For creating music, there's tons of like free software and digital audio workstations. Like Audacity is free. There's like tons of, if you Googled or like YouTube, like best free orchestra instruments or whatever, something like that. There's probably an endless amount of videos with an endless amount of things to sift through and try out and just start piecing it together, like learning the ins and the outs of the software, I think. And you don't need like a deep technical understanding to get started in that. I mean, it's helpful, but it's not like a necessity. In terms of seeking out music for games as opposed to creating your own, I would say taking the time to like research maybe like a lot of lesser known types of artists. I think when you play like popular types of soundtracks at a table that can be more of a distraction than add to the scene as intended. If you're playing like, for instance, like Skyrim music or a really popular like theme like that, like theme music like that, then people are like picking up on that and distracted by that because, oh, hey, this is something that I know. And they're paying more attention to that sometimes than what is actually happening at the table. So seeking out lesser known people. And there's a ton of people like in the tabletop space that that do ambient music and like theme music. Most of them are on like Spotify or have a Patreon. So just if that's something that you are committed to doing, it's for sure like a time investment. Okay. And I definitely knew that it would be, but like for myself as an example, part of the reason I asked the question is the boys both know 
They are the music folk. I am the musically illiterate. And I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek because I love music. I listen to it constantly. But something about artist names and song names never started sticking in my brain when I was younger. It just never did. So most of the time, I can't tell you who sang what or anything. I can tell you if something <laughs> sounds good. And I've started, I've learned a whole lot through playing with podcasting about sound software. And I actually have used Audacity. But if I were to actually start trying to soundtrack a game for my players, I would be floundering. And I would probably lean on Josh and Lee Wanika, I will admit, because they both are <laughs> so musically inclined. But no, thank you. I appreciate it. And I know that there's other people out there looking at it. And there's tools. That might be one of my other questions, though, so I want to jump right into that one. But follow-up, because you mentioned the common thing, and this is something that I read during my research, because I actually do that, believe it or not, before we, we try to talk to people, is, so would you agree then, something that I read said to try to stay away from anything with vocals or understandable vocals, because a song with lyrics will distract your players more than something that's just instrumental. I think that a majority of the time that I would agree with that, like maybe if it were like a choral type arrangement, then that is fine, like buried in the mix or what have you. But if there's like a lead vocal present, then that's for sure a distraction or can my, be a distraction. My, yeah. Yeah. I know in my experience, because I've been soundtracking games that I've played in, even going back to when I had a dual tape recorder on my boom box in the late 80s, and I'm recording songs off the radio so I could play them, begging my parents to get me some kind of tape player that allowed me to somehow or another cut out the vocals on a mix. I just have always done that. And one of the things I learned to do was just go out and buy movie soundtracks. And some of the early ones I got was a cassette of the Alienation tel television series, the orchestral soundtrack for Mission Impossible, and any and nearly all of the James Bond soundtracks. Because while there is usually a lead song that has vocals, the actual scene music was great when I played a modern game for a chase sequence. Alienation, if I wanted to play elves in the wild, just the background choral arrangements of the elves of the really worked well with the Alienation music like the beats sounded very tribal the voices sounded alien and different so i did that kind of thing a lot and then one of the things i did for anything that was vocal was i used that as theme music for characters glenn's character had that for his famous character in one of my games inner camera fist where basically i took thunderstruck and just looped the beginning of the i i i that part and i looped that Love that, by the way, for Anrik. 40,000 times. I literally created 25 <laughs> minutes of that loop by taping it to a tape and then and then kept rewinding that. And I got it like three or four times through. A like I just retaped it to one tape three or four times through. And then I got that. I looped that. It took me forever to do. Looped that for 25, That was like 20 minutes. years ago. Yeah. And then just, and then finally played the song. And what I was able to do when Anrik was getting ready to do a thing, I could play that until we got to the moment or if we, the battle was just about over, then I could finish the whole song. And all the vocals were like the people that were around him running to his challenge and on his side. And I did kind of those kinds of things like way, way back. I think you're right. Anything you can get that has that vocal choral type quality is really good because it makes it feel real, but it is also 
less distracting. People aren't trying to figure out what the next word is. They're just going with mm-hmm. that musical fluff. Grew up in the 80s and the 90s. I've never even made a mis- mixtape. When Lee Winnick was talking about mixtapes. but <laughs> Never no, even made the, a mixtape. Yeah, never once. I just listened to the radio. I put it on and I let it play. And unless I hate the song, I didn't even skip stations. I honestly, that is so funny to me because I, I made still thousands have, of mixtapes. I actually still <laughs> have my brain four or five deals of my with music. Tapes. Yeah, never even made a mixtape. My right, mixtapes uh, were well, legendary. Just... <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you were really yeah. dedicated yeah. to the creating, like a really immersive experience. <laughs> I wish yeah. I could write music yeah. because if I could, I think that'd be too many feathers in a single cap is, but <laughs> if I could have wrote music, I think it would be awesome because I always had this sense of this character needs this sound. And it was difficult mm-hmm. in many cases to go out and find that sound. I never had the ability to really create that. So what I would do is yeah. just listen to every kind of music possible. And unlike, Glenn, my brain retains things like where I heard stuff. There are lots of things it doesn't retain, by the way, like math, spelling, things like that. But for whatever reason, if I heard a song, I will remember where I heard that. I worked in a record store for a while, which gave me, I worked at Starbucks Music and Video, which gave me like 45 to 50 hours a week access to the entire world music selection. And so I've just always had like all this music that I was getting. I had demos, CDs and stuff from all these different folks and all kinds of abilities to, to kind of just be in that environment. So I always had this musical lexicon in my head. Lee Winnicka thinks in, in music, I think in movies. It's always a movie line and a scene that pops into my head instead of a song. Do you want early access to every Tabletop Journeys episode? How about exclusive content, live broadcasts, and the chance to throw dice with your favorite hosts and fellow fans? Or, heck, do you just want to support the show? Join our Patreon today at www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys. We have tiers to fit any budget for a monthly commitment, or you can make a one-time contribution to the cause. We love doing the show for y'all, and support helps us keep creating and producing great content for you. So join us today at www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys. Up to round two, exactly. Dice to the ready, gents. See if I see if we can knock Luanika out of his, uh, out of his natural twenty, camera. baby. I guess so. And I've got a nineteen to follow up. Oh, yeah, y'all. Glenn, we are both rolled natural twenties. We get a roll off now. Oh, wow! With the <laughs> nineteen, right, I'm right. gonna go third. What is up with that? <laughs> you ready, well, Glenn? Now I got a four. I did. I got a four. Seventeen. Here, my four. You're my four. <laughs> Ooh, I'm so scared. Right. Wow. <laughs> so I, right, I had two questions and I'm going to go with the real fun one because we got deep with the musical creation piece, I think, a little while ago. But what was the very first instrument you learned? So I think you mentioned guitar, but I wasn't sure if that was the very first one you learned or just when you really started picking it up seriously in middle school. But the other part of that is, what, if any, was the first 5e bard you played? What subclass was that bard? And what was their instrument? That's a really interesting question. So my first instrument actually was a tenor saxophone. 
And a quick aside, a quick footer to that answer is there is not enough like saxophone in like fantasy music. And I'm really happy to see like Nintendo trying to write that ship with the Zelda soundtrack and then the remake of the Super Mario RPG. I actually don't think I've ever played a bard in 5e. Wow. Okay. That doesn't surprise me. I've played very little, very few bards too. Because there's, there's a, I don't want to put words in your mouth, John, but for me, there is a sense of this is what I do all the time. So I don't want to do it in a fantasy setting. I want to do other things like hit people with swords. So that's Mm -hmm. for me anyway. Like that's that's kind of where it came down for me. But anyway. You could sing too. You could be like, I swing my sword and his head goes flying. <laughs> you could come up with all kinds of things, man. It's cool. I could. It's true. I think once, Josh, you posited the idea of a bard whose art form was literally art, like they painted into the universe or something like that. I thought that was you who said that. Maybe it was somebody else. But it's possible. That sounds like something I would do. Anyway, like, so. It sounded cool. But. So. Yeah, so then what what Look at the way his entrails spill upon the ground. (laughs) I was gonna say so what classes do you what classes do you lend yourself to then, Sean? Or do you even feel like you go in a particular direction? I think it really is dependent on like the type of game. I'm a big fan of Warlock. I think that is maybe my favorite class to play. Just because you can get real weird with it and they're just weird, goofy little guys. (laughs) Yeah. That's fair. That's why Luminique likes him so much, I think. I Also being a weird, goofy little guy. Yeah, little as in height, not with. But yeah, I'm a big fan of I'm a big fan of Warlocks. I found them to be very interesting and fun to play. But like you said, very game-dependent. There are some games where if I have certain DMs, like I would play a Warlock all day long because they're going to play that power. They're, they're Like that internal struggle that should be a part of every Warlock. In some games, just isn't. You're just a funky spellcaster with less spells and... And Eldritch Blast, right? I don't like playing Warlocks mm-hmm. in those games, but I like the ones where the storyteller is going to play the role of my patron and ask of me things that my character shouldn't want to do to answer for and continue to use his power. That's what I'm in for. I'm in for that narrative piece. And so I hear you. A lot of things are very situational. There's some things I play in some games or with some storytellers, and there's other things that I won't play with those same storytellers. Not that they're bad, that Mm -hmm. it's just, I will play things that work with that storyteller style. Sure. I like the warlock. I think it makes a better cross class than straight class. Are you like adding warlock to things? But I've never tried to do a straight up warlock. But I, I will just say this. If you're going to play a warlock, Glenn is one of the best storytellers. I played a drow who was a celestial warlock. And, and radiant soul is one of their abilities, yeah. which is what I was thinking. Yeah. Of. Glenn did a masterful job because my thought was, if you're a drow, everything's evil. So playing a warlock in the drow, how is that new or different, right? However, playing a celestial warlock, that would be evil to the drow. So my whole concept was the world is now upside down. We're in the underdark. Good is evil to his people. So I wanted to play that character and started in jail, freed by my power because I agreed to 
take up their cause. So I'm the drow that can't be in sunlight that had to go to the surface world and suffer all those indignities simply because I'm following the light, despite the fact that I was a drow. And I thought that was an amazing story that Glenn put together with me. And it was your character was a whole lot of fun too and that was part of the inspiration behind i do not remember the name of your celestial patron but yeah i put some work into that and it was pretty groovy all right so for my next question i'm gonna stick with the kind of how-to because i'm trying to wrap my brain my perspective as i walked into this interview was all right i don't know as much about this as everybody else so how do i do it so You've got a scene and you have no idea how long it's going to last as you're running a game, right? It could be a social scene. It could be a battle. It could whatever you're trying to lay a soundtrack for. But as a storyteller, it's not timed like in television where I can make sure it ends in a certain stanza of a song or whatever, right? How do you handle that? Is it better to run lots of easily loopable music and loop tracks or to set up a playlist that just happens to end whenever the scene ends and, that, and it is what it is. I don't know that one way is really better than the other. For me personally, every piece of music that I write is like a weekly release for Patreon. I have a looping version of that. So if you were, for instance, wanted to use a single piece of my music for a scene, I have that set up ready to go. But... If you want more like a playlist, style, I think either is really, there's not like a wrong answer. Yeah. And I can say from, from someone who has used looping music before and I, without getting too into the, the psychology of what music does to your brain in terms of how it can lead you in certain directions through the narrative, and at the risk of sounding hokey about it, I can say the music knows. I remember way back in the 3.5 days when D&D 3.5 came out, there was this whole movement for you got like CDs of music that you could play during your adventures. And I don't remember what they were called, but basically it was like it was just a, like a CD you could put on your thing and it just would loop around and everything like that. And damned if that hours worth of music that was probably like five different 12 minute compositions that didn't have a whole lot going on with them, but would somehow fit with whatever was going on at the table. Like it would move at the right spots and it would become slightly more dramatic at just the point when you needed to go ahead and make it more dramatic and stuff like that. So there's, there is something to be said about that psychology that when you've got looping music on it, that your brain's kind of internalizing what's happening with the music. And I don't know whether it is guiding, I don't know if it's guiding the narrative or what, but it certainly feels that way. That might totally be like some sort of psychological bias also where it's like it happens every once in a while and you ignore the 50 times it didn't happen, but the one time it did, it was so cool that you just keyed in, like, I keyed in on it. But right. I think that there's something to that. I think there's a- and That makes sense. Ominous music for an ominous scene can help build the tension. Sorry, Lee Winnick. No, you're fine. That was a great segue. I think, Josh, there might be a little bit of that in there. Sometimes we pay attention to the times that things go really well or really badly. So if it's somewhere in the middle for the longest time, we almost forget it. I would say, think about the fact that Benito uses soundscapes on Streams of Sphero all the time. You hear it when we first get started, at least me, I hear it when I first get started, and it's there. And if it stops for some reason, I notice it stops. But I won't necessarily hear it while it's going, but it does enhance the scene. 
I would liken that to if you're a person who's into walking as exercise or you go to the gym, you can do that on your own and do be perfectly well. But if you've got the right Spotify list or playlist going, your workout is better and harder. So I think that is the psychological piece that Josh is thinking of. And I know as a writer of games, like when I'm literally crafting an adventure or, or preparing a scene, I will go to Sean's list, for instance, and just listen to music. If I am out of ideas altogether, I know I have a game coming up within three days and I'm completely out of ideas. I will just go to the Patreon and just listen to music. And I'll be damned if at some point during that, one of those songs doesn't spark that creativity for that scene. I knew the nuts and bolts didn't know how to make it work, but a song, a piece of music will rise to the top and give me that magic. It will give me that little dash of F yeah. So I can now make that scene (laughs) sing literally and figuratively. Okay, Glenn. Excuse me. So I totally get what you were saying there in terms of spacing how it's timed out and how it can influence. Because while I've never made a mixtape, I have made a playlist now that I'm older and started embracing technology more, especially when I was running all the time. I don't know if uh, you remember Lee Winika, but I was oh yeah, running all the time for a little while when I lost weight. I used to be 360 pounds. But at any rate, running a 5K, I had a race playlist and I had a practice run playlist. They were different. One was just to keep my energy up, but on a race playlist, especially timed out towards about when I expect to finish in that last mile and a half, the songs are super important because you're flagging and you're tired, but they can pick up your pace. They can speed up your feet. So from that perspective, timing it out to lead to a crescendo could definitely apply to a battle scene or anything else as well. I'm just not entirely certain how to make it happen. And my answer was the music knows. Yeah. yeah, My answer was to do two things and I'll take the Anric thing I mentioned. I had the super loop that was all on a cassette. It was actually both sides of the cassette and I had a player that would finish the side and play the other side. And then I had the exact point in the music where I wanted it to go. So as the scene would get where it was going, if it took too long, it would just play on the other side of the cassette. But if at any point we were getting to that crescendo where I needed it to go into the rest of the song, I would hit pause and play on the other one because it's already in the right spot. So I just had the second tape ready to go. So I was doing that manually be- so I didn't have to time it. Had one that was not nice. timed and looped and the other one ready to go at the right moment. So whenever that moment happened, I was prepared for it. Yeah. On the upside, we have much better tools for that now. <laughs> we certainly <laughs> do. Than two tape decks. <laughs> yep, yep. I act- Which leads exactly into my question. It's fabulous. So, uh, Sean, you've mentioned this a couple times about how, how you put out weekly compositions on Patreon. And I'm a huge fan of the loop tracks that you do. Like The number of shows that music that you've written has appeared in the background on is... I can't even count them. It's innumerable. Because you always seem to have something that matches the theme that we're going for. Like when we were running our Fae Heavy campaign, you had some really nice kind of light, some Fae stuff, some dark Fae stuff. It was, that was all fabulous. We talked about how your your composition, Ship Beyond the Stars, is the theme music for our Star Trek Adventures campaign, everything like that. What I wanted to get into was how has 
making a new composition every week for Patreon and in, in various forms where you've got looping, you've got orchestral versions, you've got solo piano versions, everything like that. So how has doing a weekly composition kind of changed your process a little bit? Uh, not a little bit. How has it changed your process in writing and creating and what sort of feedback have you gotten from your Patreons to go ahead and help inform that process even more? That is... I need to think a second on that one. <laughs> so I would say that having that commitment for the weekly release, there's not like a ton of time to like second guess anything. Like when in like the writing process or or anything like that. So I, the first idea that works, just run with that. For better or worse, right? If I had more time like in between compositions, like potentially could come up with something better, but maybe not. And then regarding feedback, I it's a pretty quiet community, to be <laughs> perfectly honest. I don't really get very much feedback. Occasionally, somebody will make a comment. As, this was a really nice... <laughs> very, very helpful you know, Whatever for like the yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We try to go ahead and... I, we try to shout you out a little bit more every time we use you, but that's, that's, uh, hopefully that gets to you. Yeah. As I said, I am... I am not musically literate, so sometimes that's the best I can do. I don't know how well it types out. Josh hears this kind of thing all the time. I love the way he did that thing, but I don't know how that types out if I'm responding to your Patreon that way. Like, you'll say, <laughs> okay, so that Patreon's a little daft. <laughs> Moving along, which may or may not be accurate. At least if I get to sound it out, Josh says, okay, I know what you're talking about. That, yeah, that was pretty decent. All right, I guess that's the end of round two, and look, timing is perfect. We're going to have time for a third round which is nice uh so and gentlemen after after rolling 20s last turn you guys get to roll an advantage i somehow with my 19 going third that round let's see if i can go ahead and pull myself out of the gutter i'm doubting you are it's a 10 for me you are not <laughs> so i got a four and a natural 20 dang it Ooh. i was so close <laughs> last time i rolled a natural 20 and then a four i was yeah. so <laughs> damn close Oh, a, a 16 right. and a 5. Dang it! Almost had all, all three. Right. Go for it, Glenn. That's <laughs> all right, Glenn. You get the first question. Off the top, huh? Yep. So, <clears throat> my question is going to be multi-layered. You are a composer of music, from the specifically from the, the small business side of things, there's one guy sitting behind there making all of this happen. So in terms of the small content creator space versus the larger companies who have these large libraries out there that might be cool, but like I've gone through some of them and you never find music with quite the same panache isn't exactly the right word, but the cookie cutter versus when you're working with somebody who's actively composing every week, in my opinion. So what are your thoughts and feelings, both as a composer and as a storyteller player on the small content creator composer side of the business for the tabletop RPG community and companies like Sirenscape? I think that each has their kind of own lane, their own place, like the smaller content creators, like obviously the dream is to do this as like a full-time gig, right? 
100%. I'm fortunate enough to be somebody that can do that. But that's not the reality for everyone. I would say it's challenging for a single person operation because you're you not only need to be the composer, you need to be the marketer, the research person, the a business manager. Like you have to wear an infinite number of hats that are expanding as new opportunities come about. So I would love to be able to like dedicate more time to working strictly on music, but there's a lot of time that I'm spent just like scrolling through like social media, like trying to figure out like how to plug myself and like searching for opportunities and things like that. And then on the other side of that, you mentioned specifically like Sirenscape and admittedly, I'm not super familiar with them, but like these, the larger corporations that do music, I feel like they have their place as well. I think like a lot of like more like corporate types of clients would lean toward that just because there is presumably like a a larger amount of people working on things. So if they're looking for something specific, then they're more likely to be able to get something quicker through a larger corporation like Sirenscape or something like that than compared to a smaller creator. And like I've lost out on a couple of opportunities to like, I guess you would call them like studios, like big studios that do music, not going to drop any names or anything like that. (laughs) But to even be like in that conversation, though, is still it feels pretty good. If I can, Shauna, and I will say this and I'm going to avoid dropping names here. But with some of those larger companies that you mentioned, I have found, as I said, I've been trying to score with my limited capability and understanding for the almost the entire 40 years I've been running games. And I find that the larger the company is, the harder it is to find what specifically fits my niche. So I find using a site like yours and going to your Patreon to be better because for whatever reason, it feels more responsive to my needs. Now, part of that is you and I and Josh, we had this great conversation and I got a strong sense of where your music comes from and how it happens. Probably the hardest thing about this interview is some of these questions I already asked you two and a half, two and a half years ago, but, and I'm asking again or in slightly different ways for, so the audience kind of gets into my head or how I I was like, yeah, this is our guy, right? This is our person. This is who we want to collaborate with and make music for our show. I want our identity tied to you as a, as a composer because of those initial conversations. And I be, if I'm trying to remember exactly, so forgive me if I'm wrong, but I seem to recall you had made a statement very early on about, I just want to make sure you're comfortable with me as we're doing this. I think you said something to that effect very early on. And I remember saying, that's the kind of, that's the kind of collaborator I want to be. It is not just about, do you like what I do, but are you comfortable with me? We're making music. We're doing a thing that's supposed to edify and stir the soul, if I can wax poetic a bit. A level of comfort needs to be in with that process. And while there are big companies out there that can produce good stuff, I don't get that kind of connection. And for me, music is so personal. I need that connection. And which is why I said earlier, and I'll keep saying, if anybody is doing this podcast thing, commission some music. Josh has said a number of times in regards to art, even if you can only afford to do one thing, commission some art for whatever your next content is. Commission some music for the next 
type of series you're going to run on your show because that connection, that emotional connection shows in everything. And that's what I like about smaller creators in our space is the connection. So bringing art into it is a great way to help me wrap my brain around it as we've been talking, because I don't haven't done as much with music, but I do a lot with art. And I would then kind of liken the answer, my own answer to my own question now. So yeah, it would probably work out kind of like when we're approaching art for a project. The easy images, the background images that aren't that important, kind of, or the background music for a random tavern scene, those might come from deposit photos or from stock pictures or music. But when we're looking for that portrait that encapsulates the character class, or we're looking for that portrait that, or that picture that's going to showcase the magic item we've just designed. That's when we go to collaborating with our the small time creators that we know in order to get that piece that's going to be special to make that piece like really pop. I really think of music as art, and I think as in the same way that people look at art in a museum or a statue, or it's just a different medium for transmitting those emotions. And to me, whenever I need that emotional connection, the person I can know and talk with digitally or even in person shake hands with is always going to be superior to the company that I walk into their store, flip through the, the record bin, and pick out a record, right? I can still love that record. But something about the live conversation just makes it superior to me. All right. What's your question, Lunica? So I'm going to go back to the gaming piece of, of your creative mind. And I guess my question is, and I've answered this question for myself a few times, so I'm going to do my level best to not also add my own story again on the show. But when you are running games as a storyteller, DM or whatever, regardless of system, or when you're a player and you're creating new characters – do you think about soundtracks in your head? Are you creating something and have this is going to be this guy's theme song? Is that in your brain? Or do you even might or might you even write something to go along with that character or that story that you're creating for your table? I think that the latter is much more likely to meet a character in a game and kind of get to know the who that character is and then be inspired by the different actions that occurred at the table and then and plunk out a theme at that point if I'm going to make a character theme for a game that I'm running. I think that's much more likely than having a musical idea for somebody that I don't really know yet and trying to put that personality in a box already musically without having really played with them, if that makes sense. It does. Uh, I've, uh, I said I was going to try not to, and I've absolutely failed. I've done both. You uh, haven't failed yet. You can still stop. <laughs> but will I? <laughs> so my last question for tonight, Sean, to go ahead and round out this evening, and this is a topic that we have talked about a lot on the show, so I really want to get your take on it. Has the AI revolution impacted the work that you do at all? Do you find that AI is just like a new competitor in the space for you to go ahead and compete with because people can plug in and get, or do you not feel like it's touching what you're working on at all? Great question, Josh. Way to keep it relevant. I feel like if there is, I'm sure there is music AI. I've not heard any that I 
have any sort of feelings about. So I guess currently I don't feel like music is affected by that, but I imagine it's on the horizon. Just to expand on the AI conversation in general, though, I know like some composers that I'm friends or colleagues, whatever, with peers have used like AI art for like album covers or stuff like that. And I kind of have mixed feelings about it because it's like you could commission somebody, but like also you're not like making enough money from doing this to really afford that. But in general, I'm not a fan of AI, but it seems like an inevitability. And I think it is just up to the smaller creators to push back against that and try to like showcase like human art. Because if AI is all that there is and AI is just learning from other AI, like there's no progress forward. There's no new ideas coming from that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's something that as content creators ourselves that we've tried to be very vocal about. So we'll go ahead and say that we are not going to use AI art in any of our products. We will use stock art, which is at least generated from other artists. And we will, when our budget allows commission artists for custom stuff. Like you said, that's a tough, that's a tough economic prospect from time to time. I, I actually have come across a couple, not 100% fully sourced, but I've come across a couple instances where I've heard of certain AIs, not any of the big ones that we've talked about on our show specifically, that have been asked to create a rap in a given artist's style. I believe Eminem was the artist in question. And then they went to a different AI system that did AI voices and then asked them to mimic Eminem's voice. And they sure, created yeah. an AI-generated rap song that sounded like Eminem that wasn't Eminem. And my understanding is the artist who's done that with a couple different people has some legal issues he's now, <laughs> that they are now dealing with as a result. Sure, yeah. And where that falls is still going through courts, and I don't know how it falls because yeah. while it is not copying any specific thing that was said or done, it is still utilizing somebody's vocal quality which should be unique. And it's a real tough sled, though. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, right. These are all legal questions that scholars much smarter than me with much more yeah. education than I. Yeah. Certainly more paper on their walls, and there is no paper on my wall uh, of any kind. I don't even have a post-it up today, at least not on the wall. I've got a couple on the desk. But there, there is certainly a lot of issues and concerns that have to be addressed that will be addressed over the next yeah. 15 to 20 years, hopefully sooner rather than yeah. later. Because I don't think it'll be 15 to 20. I think they'll still be working on it yeah. by then. But I think yeah. in 15 to 20, AI is going to be a completely different ball game we can't even imagine sure. yet. Yeah. I, yeah. But the water, you're not wrong, though. The water is murky yeah. and it's going to stay murky. Yeah. The only things that are certain is that it's not going anywhere. So we either have to learn to work with it or get run over by it. The, but at the same time, it's not really creating anything. Because all AI can do is effectively create a compilation, a composite of a gazillion other samples that it finds finds online. It is right. So it's effectively paraphrasing (laughs) the internet. And it's. Yeah, before you roll on, because I will say there is, man, I think it was 
Stanford. They were computer researchers at Stanford probably 10 years ago that were doing doing musical AI research. And I think, the, if I remember correctly, the program was called Iris or something like that. But basically, they would feed music into it. So they would say, okay, I want to take the... 230-something fugues that Bach wrote, and I'm going to feed them into this computer, and I'm going to let it analyze them, and then I'm going to ask it to go ahead and give me a fugue in the style of Bach. And its ability to do it the kind of we start talking about the uncanny divide when we start talking about like how a computer gener- how computers are generating faces that look more and more realistic every time and how again this computer can analyze these parameters and then say oh i know that based on these based on my input these are the kinds of things that I would expect this piece to do and then be able to go ahead and do it. And it was still 10 years ago, it was super rudimentary. And I'm, I'd be shocked if it is not significantly more advanced now than it right. was even back then. Yeah, I- Music in particular, I think, would be vulnerable to AI because, and I'm not trying to make a blanket statement like music is math, but there's a lot of math to music. There's a lot of math, a lot of rules, a lot of logic, a lot of code, which in terms of how a computer is going to process, I would think that would make it easier. Yeah. I, I think where it gets complicated is in the details after the fact, right? It's like writing a melody using math is easy, right? Mozart wrote a dice game to go ahead and come up with melodies. It's everything that goes around that, right? Yep. You can't roll some dice and sound like Mozart. You have to be Mozart to sound like Mozart, right? That's, right. Yeah. I would say that, and going back to an earlier piece, the Eurozone is already drafting their their rules regarding AI in many facets far ahead of where we are in the States. They wish to be in the forefront of this um, as far as regulation goes. So there are regulations that are probably going to be within the next year or so, depending on how fast the Eurozone is successful in getting that through their various legislative processes. Whether or not the U.S. chooses to follow suit, who knows? Awesome. All right, that is our time for this evening, Sean. I really appreciate you taking some time out of your out of your Thursday evening to sit down and talk with us. Before we let you go for the evening, where can our listeners find you, and how can they interact with you to go ahead and get involved in the work you're doing? First of all, just want to say again, thanks so much for having me to on here to talk with you guys about music and games and stuff. It's yeah, been a blast, absolute pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Nice. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it too. Primarily, like my main social media is Twitter at Sean McRow, S E A N M C R O. You can find me on Patreon as music, patreon.com slash McRow music. I'm also McRow music on literally any streaming service that my distributor goes through, which I think is just an ever growing list. I know Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music. Any of the big ones of my TikTok, Instagram reels, you can find me everywhere <laughs> as Micro Music. Also, if you want to email me, there's a form on my website, micromusic.com, to ask about commissions or general questions like that. And I think that about covers it. All right. Awesome. Thank you very much. Let's take a look here and see what's coming up here on the, on the show next week here. So first of all, on Tuesday, the our Star Trek actual play continues with the mission that Lee Wanika ran, Swords to Plowshares. Part two of that one will air on this coming Tuesday. And then this, this episode is coming out the first week of July, a day before my birthday, actually. So happy birthday to me tomorrow. But it's also kicking off an entire month where we have a bunch of cool interviews coming up this month. Including- Should we sing? 
No, we should not sing. But including okay. next week when we bring back friend of the show, Laura from Lucky Newt Games to go ahead and talk about their Kickstarter that's coming up at the end of the year here. So I'd be excited to go ahead and have Laura come back on. We haven't talked with her since we did our uh, women in TRPG roundtable about a uh, year and a half ago or something. Half ago. So, yeah. 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 So it'd be awesome to go ahead and have Laura back on here. So that'd be great. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Appreciate you taking your time to go ahead and listen. Go check out Sean. And if you hang on here for about a minute, you'll hear another one of his compositions here at the end of the show. Again, he did the opening credit music and the closing credit music for our show right. here, as well so as the stick theme around and listen this time. Yeah. yeah. Make sure. Yeah, exactly. Stick around and listen to the end of the show this time. But Sean, thanks so very much again for coming on here tonight and, and wrapping with us. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks again for having me. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. A pleasure to have you here and audience listen to the very end because the way that gets guitar screams at the end yeah. it does it to me every time it's actually it, uh, one of the my favorite parts of the song so love it the guitar solo in the in, in, in the outro music is pretty awesome so <laughs> i can just feel the, yeah. the strings bending and i can see the stank face on it it's awesome i got it like, <laughs> I'm, sure. I'm all in when we're done with this recording i'm gonna turn it on just so i can listen to it without further ado here's the music we've been discussing yeah exactly. thanks so very good much everybody all. have a good night <laughs> Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. Join us at www.ttjourneys.com where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. You can also stay in touch by subscribing to our Twitter, Tumblr, or Instagram at TT Journeys. Joining our Facebook group, Tabletop Journeys. Or by sending an email directly to podcast at ttjourneys.com. Our full episodes come out every week on Friday. And every Tuesday features actual play and gameplay showcase episodes. Looking for early access? You can support the show and get episodes before everyone else at www.patreon.com forward slash ttjourneys. Check it out today and see all the awesome benefits we bring to our supporters. Lastly, if you're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, or Audible, you would really appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast on that platform. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And we bid you fair tides, friends, for legends await.